strap ourselves to the gospel because we're slowing it down. Jesus is going to save the world, but maybe the best thing we can do is just get out of the way. toys and playing games I am the one who poured your cup Then Jesus went into the temple and threw out all those who were selling and buying there He pushed over the tables used for currency exchange and the chairs of those who sold doves He said to them It's written My house will be called a house of prayer but you've made it a hideout for crooks. People who were blind and lame came to Jesus in the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priest and legal experts saw the amazing things he was doing, and the children shouting in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were angry. They said to Jesus, Do you hear what these children are saying? Yes, he answered. Haven't you ever read from the mouths of babies and infants? You've arranged praise for yourself. Then he left them and went out of the city to Bethany and spent the night there. Jesus responded by speaking again in parables. The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding party for his son. He sent his servants to call those invited to the wedding party, but they didn't want to come. Again, he sent other servants and said to them, Tell those who have been invited, Look, the meal is all prepared. 
I've butchered the oxen and the fattened cattle. Now everything's ready. Come to the wedding party. But they paid no attention and went away. The rest of them grabbed his servants, abused them, and killed them. The king was angry. He sent his soldiers to destroy those murderers and set their city on fire. Then he said to his servants, the wedding party is prepared, but those who were invited weren't worthy. Therefore, go to the roads on the edge of town and invite everyone you find to the wedding party. Then those servants went to the roads and gathered everyone they found, both evil and good. The wedding party was full of guests. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had left the Sadducees speechless, they met together. One of them, a legal expert, tested him. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? He replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. You must love your neighbor as you love yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. How terrible it will be for you legal experts and Pharisees, hypocrites. You give to God a tenth of mint, dill, and cumin, but forget about the more important matters of the law, justice, peace, and faith. You blind guides. You filter out an ant but swallow a camel. How terrible it will be for you legal experts and Pharisees. Hypocrites, you clean the outside of the cup and plate, but inside they are full of violence and pleasure-seeking. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup so that the outside of the cup will be clean too. How terrible it will be for you legal experts and Pharisees. Hypocrites, you are like whitewashed tombs. They look beautiful on the outside, but inside they are full of dead bones and all kinds of filth. You look righteous, but inside you are full of sham and rebellion. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those who were sent to you, how often I wanted to gather your people together just as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But you didn't want that. Look, your house is left to you deserted. I tell you, you won't see me until you say, Blessings on the one who comes in the Lord's name. Now Jesus left the temple and was going away. His disciples came to point out to him the temple buildings. He responded, do you see all these things? I assure that no stone will be left on another. Everything will be demolished. But nobody knows when that day or hour will come, not the heavenly angels and not the Son. Only the Father knows. As it was in the time of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. In those days before the flood, people were eating and drinking 
marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark. They didn't know what was happening until the flood came and swept them all away. The coming of the Son of Man will be like that. At that time there will be two men in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. Therefore stay alert. You don't know what day the Lord is coming, but you understand that if the head of the house knew at what time the thief would come, he would keep alert and wouldn't allow the thief to break into his house. Therefore, you also should be prepared because the Son of Man will come at a time you don't know. Now when the Son of Man comes in his majesty and all his angels are with him, he will sit on his majestic throne. All the nations will be gathered in front of him. He will separate them from each other just as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right side. But the goats he will put on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who will receive good things from my father, inherit the kingdom that was prepared for you before the world began. I was hungry, and you gave me food to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothes to wear. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then those who are righteous will reply to him. Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you a drink? When did we see you as a stranger and welcome you, or naked and give you clothes to wear? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? Then the king will reply to them, I assure you that when you've done it for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you have done it for me. When Jesus finished speaking all these words, he said to his disciples, you know that the Passover is two days from now and the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. Then the chief priests and elders of the people gathered in the courtyard of Caiaphas, the high priest. They were plotting to arrest Jesus by cunning tricks and to kill him. But they agreed that it shouldn't happen during the feast so there wouldn't be an uproar among the people. Your presence. 
Heavenly Father, we give you thanks this morning for this chance to be together, for this chance to worship you. And Lord, in the uncertainty and the turmoil surrounding us and this disease that we're all dealing with, Lord, we ask that you give us your blessing, that you protect us, and we cry out to you, Hosanna, because you are the great, great God. Lord, this morning we ask that you bless the message we're about to receive as well as the music we play and the fellowship among us, both here on this stage and out there online. Lord, we pray all of this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen.
your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise. You Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Those words were shared about 2,000 years ago as Jesus came into Jerusalem. And we could say those same words today as we worship. And we're doing so perhaps in a way that we've never done before. 
through um, the internet, on our phones, our tablets, our computers. Uh, but this God is not limited by time and space. This Lord came 2,000 years ago, and this Lord comes today. And he comes into your world, my world. And he comes and brings what only he can bring is peace. I'd like to take a moment and to lead us in a time of prayer. And as, as I do so, we're going to be confessing our sins. And I want us to be thinking of that phrase that the people were exclaiming on the road as Jesus came into Jerusalem. He said, Hosanna. And that literally means, save us. And I'm hoping that we have that same desperate response. Save us from my sin. Save us from our sin. Save us from what's going on in this world. And bring us peace that only you can give. Let's pray. Oh, good and gracious God, we come to you this morning and we do cry out loud, Hosanna. We need you to be our Savior because our sin is so great. Our sin, our sin is ugly, our sin is destructive, our sin keeps us from you, our sin affects our relationship with others, and into all those moments we say, Hosanna, save us. Save us. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you listen intently, you listen lovingly, you listen with a sense of compassion and purpose. And we thank you that as you came into Jerusalem 2,000 years ago to do what was necessary to bring salvation for all, we pray now that you would come here. And you come into our homes, you, you come into our hearts and bring that peace that comes from you because of all that you did, your suffering, your death, your resurrection. And may that peace stir within us. And may that peace cause us to worship you today and tomorrow throughout Holy Week and throughout our lives as we contemplate you, who came to be our Savior. Lord Jesus, we pray all of this in your most holy name. Amen. Now we continue, and for those of you that are on Facebook, uh, we're giving you an opportunity to let us know any prayer requests that you have so that we can include them in our time of prayer, which will be just in a little bit. So feel free just to type in the comment section or send a private message to our 1C Facebook account, and we'll include that in worship this morning and actually throughout this week. Again, may God be glorified, and may we be blessed as we come to him at all times and in all places. Thank you. There is no Mindy Thursday, Alvin. Oh, Monday, Thursday, Jesus and the disciples, they get together, they go to a room, and they have the Last Supper together, their last meal. Then you know what happens after Monday, Thursday? Wendy, Friday, Mindy's sister-in-law? <sighs> nope, not Mindy Friday. Doesn't happen next. After Monday, Thursday comes Good Friday. Jesus will be laying down his life. He will be dying for the people. Mm -hmm. Harold, you're really bad. How can you call that good? 
Mic is on? Uh, excuse me, Alvin. Alvin. Yeah, Harold. What are you doing? I'm practicing. You know that whole angel and training thing. Uh huh. Besides, I overheard some of the other angels talking. There's going to be a big parade today. Oh, yes, big parade, but not like this. You know it's who's coming? Jesus. What? Jesus, the Son of God? Mm-hmm. It's coming. It's coming here. He's going to be riding in on a donkey. You remember donkeys, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Don't get me started on that. Yeah, well, as he comes in, people along the road are going to be having palm branches. They'll be waving them. They'll be shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. No floats? No candy? I'm sorry, Alvin. No floats, no candy. Just Jesus coming in, riding humbly on a donkey, coming as the suffering servant king. You know what's happening this week, right? What? Well, on Monday, Thursday. Who's she? She who? Mindy. Mindy Thursday. Who's she? Oh. Alvin, not Monday, Thursday. Jesus and his disciples are going to get together in a room and they will share the Last Supper together. Then you know what happens after Monday, Thursday. What comes next? Uh, Wendy Friday, Mindy's sister in law comes Uh, next? Not even close. No, Wendy Friday. Good Friday, Alvin, comes after Monday, Thursday. Good Friday. Jesus is going to be laying down his life. He is going to be dying for the people. (gasps) Harold, you're really bad. How can you call that good? Well, it is. It's it's good for for the humans. This is Jesus on a rescue mission. Well, it doesn't sound like a very good one. Well, it's a pretty good plan. I mean, when you take Good Friday and Easter and you put them together, it is an excellent plan. It's a good thing for the people. Oh. I mean, you know, you know what happens at Easter. You know what's coming, right? You don't? Wow. I t- let me tell you, it's going to be the biggest of the big. It's going to be extraordinary. And you want to be sure to be here next week for it, okay? Come back. Oh, I can't wait to see what happens this week. I can't wait to see what happens on Easter. Oh. Hey, Harold. Do you think I could ever get one of these official uniforms like you? Well, I don't know. Let me talk to somebody. I'll see what I can do. Or 
creation cries out in longing Groans only you can comprehend And with wisdom you always answer Give the words of life so unfailing And your glory shines all around us Think of all of your wonders, beauty of your plan has been revealed as we walk in your light. We walk in it, shine bright, let your glory fill this land. Lift high, King of kings and great I am. Led for all mankind, set the captives free, yeah. shine bright, let your glory fill this land, lift high, the King of kings and great I am, Jesus, you are the way, you are the way. to tell you, one of the funniest things to see are two misfit angels running through the church to get up here to give us a little treat. Uh, we saw those angels back on Christmas Eve. Uh, we're going to see them again on, on Easter as they're going to try to help us understand this, the beauty of, of uh, Easter. 
but we have a lot to celebrate for as we uh, begin our journey, as we continue our journey in Holy Week. Let's pray. Oh, good, good Father, thank you again uh, for your love that moved you to, to do the unthinkable. You saw our desperate condition and you decided out of your love for us to send your son. So we pray especially this week as we watch and as we witness, as we ponder the, the meaning, the significance of this, this journey that brought Jesus to Jerusalem, that brought him to Mount Calvary, to Golgotha, that put him into a tomb, and then as we never forget his resurrection. Amazing, amazing, all that you've done for us. So now as we uh, look into your word today, as we look at the meaning and the significance of Palm Sunday and Passion Sunday, may your spirit be given in such a powerful way that we would understand more fully this love for us and then the desires you have for us, your children. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, Palm Sunday, Passion Sunday. And I'd like to, uh, uh, well, maybe you know this, but there are, there are movies and there are TV series out there that, you know what they do? In order to tell you the present story, they'll do what's called a flashback. And uh, Kristen, uh, during this COVID-19 thing, has been watching uh, A Person of Interest. It's a TV series. And I'm not very good at sitting and watching an entire show or entire movie. Um, so it's really helpful that in this show, they, they do have flashbacks. So when something's taking place um, in, I don't even know the characters' names, sometimes they go back in time, whether it's a week or a month or a couple years, and it helps you catch up on what is happening. So I'd like to do that today and, and take you on a, what I call a flashback of what was taking place prior to Palm Sunday. Now, you heard a part of that in the reading that we had just at the very beginning of our service. It was a time to look back at some of the, the days, the week or so, before Jesus walked into Jerusalem. You know, lots of things taking place. A lot of planning, uh, planning and plotting and strategy uh, to, to get Jesus. But I want to take you to another moment. I think it's a very intimate moment. I think it's, there's a lot of dynamics taking place. And it goes to the time when Jesus was asked to raise Lazarus from the dead. And they wanted him to come right away, but Jesus was like, no, 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 not right now. And you could just tell that, boy, they weren't happy. And there was sorrow and grief. And then as a result of that, we find that Lazarus did die. And we find that everyone is distraught. And everyone is struggling. But we find Jesus coming onto the scene. And we remember, you know, in the scriptures where Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth. Now, this was four days after his death. And in the mind of the Jewish people at the time, that would be the time that would be certain that Lazarus would be dead. There's just no way that he's going to come out of there. He is dead. And there's not going to be any trick. And we find Lazarus comes forth. Now, I think 
in the minds of certain people, they were thinking different things. I mean, sure, Mary and Martha, they were rejoicing, they were giving thanks and praise. But then there were some others, like the Pharisees, who were like, wow, you know, what's going on here? We've got to do something about this. The popularity of Jesus is now going off the chart. We've got to do something. Well, I'd like to show you a picture of what I call maybe just a very uh, special, intimate moment between Jesus, his disciples, and Lazarus, and Mary, and Martha. You know, they were, they were getting together, and I'm sure the point of conversation was, wow, Lazarus was dead, and now he's alive? I mean, what a moment that was, as they were talking about and, and feeling this event that took place. Well, one person in particular, and we have um, just, again, a depiction of Mary, Mary Magdalene, so stirred, so moved by this Jesus and all that he has done and who he is, she kind of does the unthinkable. I mean, if you're going to anoint somebody, you would anoint a head. But instead, she goes to the feet, and she takes very expensive oil. And she's now going to use that on the feet of Jesus to show honor and love and humility. Uh, Mary was pouring it all out. Well, if you look into the gospel account that has this, not everyone thought it was a good idea. Judas... Judas Iscariot, he was concerned about how much value there was on that oil and what it could be used for instead of on the feet of Jesus. And he was thinking about how many other, well, poor people could be cared for with that oil. And yet Jesus kind of brings it back. He says to uh, Judas, leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. A little foreshadowing of what's taking place. I'm sure Mary didn't fully understand what was going on. She was just, again, moved by the Holy Spirit, I believe, and also moved in her heart to honor Jesus, her friend and her Savior. Well, the story moves a little bit further, and we find Jesus talking to some of the disciples in his preparation for going into Jerusalem. And he says these words, go into the village in front of you where you will find a coat a tied. And for those that may understand the connection, in the Old Testament we see one of the prophecies about the Messiah is he's going to come in on a donkey on a colt. And here we have Jesus commanding this and, and getting it ready. Well, there is one other moment prior to Palm Sunday that I would like for us to stop and reflect on. And here is a picture, a depiction of, of Jesus overlooking Jerusalem. You know, on the west banks of Jerusalem, where, where Bethany is, you can almost picture Jesus stopping and thinking, and praying, and pondering. Now, for most of the disciples, they're all thinking, you know, we need to keep distance from Jerusalem, because Bethany is probably close enough as it is. Um, some say it's 1.7 miles 
between Bethany and Jerusalem. And anyone in their right mind would keep a distance and not go any closer to that hotbed because, you know, they could feel the tension building. And yet Jesus, being a, a good Jew, one who's going to honor the Father's commands, it was Passover time, and it was time for the Jewish people to go to Jerusalem and celebrate that moment where God rescued his people from Egypt, from Pharaoh. If you recall, right, the angel of death was going to come. It's one of those, those plagues. But if you put the blood of a lamb on the doorpost, the angel of death would pass over and not kill the firstborn male children. God told his people to remember this day, to celebrate it. And so Jesus is going to do this no matter the cost, no matter the fears and the worries, no matter the anxiety of the disciples, Jesus was resolute to obey his Father and to continue the journey that he was called to do. And it was to be the Savior of the world, the promised Messiah. But let me share with you uh, some of the words we have recorded about this account. From Luke chapter 19, as he, Jesus, approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and your children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. This moment of Jesus, this emotional moment, is a little bit different than what we would have heard just a little bit before. Remember the shortest verse in the Bible? Jesus wept. And that was that moment where he experienced, you know, this Lazarus and his death. And he was feeling for, for Mary and, and for those that were grieving Lazarus's death. But the Greek word for this account is different than the one over Lazarus. And we have uh, up on the screen and in front of you the word eklosen, which means to weep, to weep for, to mourn, to lament of uncertain affinity and to sob and wail aloud. You see what the Jesus wept one is? You kind of have the picture that he's all moved inside. You know, maybe tears are welling up as he's grieving over Lazarus. But see, Jesus knew that Lazarus was going to be raised again. So he was feeling for those who were grieving Lazarus' death. But this is different. When he is looking over Jerusalem, it says he literally was wailing and sobbing and his heart ached. Why? Well, it says here that he was concerned for the people not having peace. Well, who didn't have peace? Well, here's just a list. 
Jesus wept for the apostles, the Pharisees, the Romans, the followers. He was weeping for all people. Now, mind you, a little bit different, right? My guess is as he's weeping for the apostles, he, he knows that it's going to get tough. He is going to be put on a cross. He's going to be put into a tomb. There's going to be this fear that is going to be shaking his really close followers. So he wanted peace for them. But he also wanted peace for the Pharisees. Now, remember, the Pharisees, they have built up such a system. In order to get peace, you do these certain things. And Jesus knew that there's, you're not going to get peace that way. It's not, not by what you do, it's by what he does. And the Pharisees were so blind to that. And how about the Romans? I mean, even them, they were kind of caught up in this. And you can almost remember that moment of the Roman centurion watching Jesus being hung up on the cross. And even he was saying, surely this is the Son of God. And then for the followers, the ones who well, have been following along with this story, the ones who heard Jesus teach, watched him heal, watched people be raised from the dead. Amazing. And yet, the events that are going to take place in front of the, you know, after this, they're going to be hurting. They're going to be wondering. And my guess, Jesus even saw uh, beyond that to the resurrection, but even beyond that, as the church began to spring up and these followers, these apostles, were going to be, um, they're going to be bombarded. They're going to be threatened for their lives. Peace was going to be hard to come by at times. So my guess, his heart was pouring out for all of these people for all of time. In fact, I would like to even bring it to today. And I want you to look at these words again. And Jesus saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day, what would bring you peace? All right, what's in front of us now? I believe that Jesus is weeping for those who have been affected physically by this COVID-19. I mean, for the people that are, are physically um, altered, their lives, they're, you know, they're on respirators, they're, their life is hanging in the balance of time. For their loved ones that are around that are just wondering. Or how about for those who have lost loved ones based on this? How about the emotion? Maybe you, you've seen it, maybe you feel it yourself, but this emotional stirring of COVID-19, and what do you do? What's going to happen? How long is this going to last? How long can, can I not go see parents or grandparents? I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on here. But I'd like to expand it even further, even bigger. I believe that Jesus wept for those who do not know him and the peace that he alone can bring. And I've been reading all sorts of things from all sorts of people. Uh, but I wonder, uh, you know, in this, if God is faithful to his word, he says he promises to work together for good for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. We know that God is at work. For me, the hard part is, 
like I put on a Facebook post. I feel like my hands are tied up. I can't go and, and make those calls that I used to. Or when people are really struggling, I, it feels really weird right now to say, uh, let's Zoom. I mean, I feel like my hands are tied. But God's hands are not tied. We're going to see in a, in, in a couple days, Monday, Thursday, these hands being used to give out communion, the Lord's Supper. And then we see the next day where his hands are going to be used to bear the weight of sin and to have nails driven into them. Why? For you and for me. Because peace is something only he can bring. And I, I'll, I'll tell you, if your world is upside down too, um, I get it. I'm talking to people and I'm feeling it too. I mean, marriages are under stress and strain. Finances are becoming an issue for many people. Uh, physically, they're like, where do I go? What do I do? How do I handle this? And we're, we're really wrestling on it. And I'll just tell you, the CDC is not going to have the answer. Because peace, the shalom that God wants to give, is not the absence of COVID-19. Peace is not, well, having all the money that you need to be able to pay your bills. Peace is not just getting along with your spouse or with your kids when you've now been secluded and just struggling with this. Peace is Jesus wherever. Peace is Jesus right here, right now. And it's something that has no end. I'm going to share with you a, a scripture that um, it comes from Revelation. I know I've read it many times, but in light of Palm Sunday, in light of the taking of the palms and waving them and rejoicing Hosanna to the son of David, here's some words from Revelation chapter 7. Again, this is John's uh, vision of what life is going to be like in heaven. And I hope this encourages you. After this, I looked, and there were, there were before me a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. So 2,000 years ago, the streets of Jerusalem, um, you had that moment, right? And still, I'm not sure that they were thinking properly. I'm guessing some that lined the streets were there because they heard about this great trick that Jesus did with Lazarus. We got to see him. We got to see who this is, this, this uh, magician. And then there were some that lined the streets that were continuing to plot to kill Jesus. And then there were some that were just curious. There was a crowd over there, so I'm going to go over there. I'm going to line the streets too and see what's going on. Who are you? I pray that all of us would have a sense of curiosity. 
to want to see this Savior, to experience his love, and to know for, well, with no uncertainty that he came to bring salvation for me, for you. So my prayer for you and for me is that God would give us the Holy Spirit. He would pour it out in such a mighty way that as we go through this very different kind of Holy Week, that we would know that salvation is mine because of Jesus. And peace comes along with it. The peace that is not just down the road and we don't have any more troubles, but the peace that is present, the peace that will see us through, the peace that we can hold on to, the peace that is a gift from God to those he loves. May God bless you in this journey. May we take this week and contemplate the magnitude of God's love for us in Christ Jesus. Amen.
and be away from friends and family and not be able to do the things that we are used to doing. Prayers for my oldest son, my niece, as they have essential jobs. Prayers for my best friend who works on the railroad that he does not get coronavirus and pray for everybody to recover that has coronavirus. Prayers for everyone that they just stay safe and healthy during this pandemic. Prayers for myself and my work and my family as I go back to work for the first time since this all started and that we get through these next few weeks with little or no cases of this awful virus. Prayers for God to calm all anxious hearts and minds. Prayer that he would remind us often as we need that he has gone before us and he has already knows how this all plays out and he has not and will not forsake us. Prayers for my family who has been dealing with a lot since before the virus started and for everyone who is dealing with the stress of trying to get from month to month. I pray for those who don't know you, that they have an open mind to let them feel your love anyway, Lord, like you did for me. I pray for ladies to find freedom from their self-made prisons. I pray to stay vigilant, open-minded in your will and not mine. Prayers for the recovery of everyone at SOS. Watch over them, wrap your arms around them and give them the resolve to resist temptation and give them the peace in these hard times. Please keep my friend Katie, Chris, and Tyler safe and help them with their journey. Lord, be with my friend Wyatt, Clint, Steve, Brian, Jeff, and keep them in your arms and give them the armor to win this battle. Prayers of thanksgiving for Jolyn, Sonia, Tessa, Heidi, Gloria, Mitch, Shirley, and for all the others who are here cheering us on and praying for us and leading us. Father, we just pray in these uncertain times. We thank you, Lord, you hear us. Help us not to worry, but to cast all our cares on you and bring all of our prayers and thanksgiving to you. And that may the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, guard our minds and hearts in Christ Jesus. We thank you, Lord. Join me as we say the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. As God's people, we are united in faith. And a beautiful summary of that faith is found in the Apostles' Creed. And I would like for you to join us together as we share these words. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. 
He ascended into heaven and sits us at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Receive now the blessing of our Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. Couple of announcements. Yes. Um, we have new resources going online on our website um, often, weekly. So love for you to check that out, oncchurch.com. And then you click on resources. There's resources on there for, for parents to have conversations with kids, for individuals to have devotions at home. There's links to apps, our church center app, um, Bible reading group online, um, some Holy Week activities as well. So we want to resource you and equip you at home to continue growing in your faith with whoever you're living with in your home. Wonderful. And again, obviously, if you're watching this, you know that you can stream this, right? Yeah. But you can also watch this later. So if it's um, maybe this time at 1030 in the morning, it doesn't fit your schedule. Uh, it's on demand at our website. So you can make your way there and, and watch that. Um, again, Holy Week opportunities. I encourage you, take time all the way through the week. You know, just ponder in and consider the, the love of God in Christ this week. But we're going to gather together on Thursday at 7 o'clock for Monday Thursday and, and remembering what Jesus did for us in that upper room. We're going to stop here again on Good Friday at 7 o'clock. We're going to remember Jesus on the cross and the payment that was paid for you and for me. And then we get together on Easter Sunday. 10.30 a.m., and we're going to get together and we're going to celebrate this resurrection and what it means for us with this theme that we are never alone. He is always with us. And so may that uh, be a blessing to you and uh, let other people know so that we can, again, take this good news of God's love and send it to wherever, you know, again, whoever needs this, uh, may it be given to them as a gift. So thank you again for tuning in and watching. May God bless you each and every day. We continue with one more song.
Precious Redeemer, Precious Redeemer. 